You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain, off-road outfitters for all your Wrangler parts and accessories. Stay tuned to later in the show to learn about how you can earn a grant from Extreme Terrain for your next trail improvement project. Hey, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about... Black Jeeps. There you go. Buzz. Wrong answer. Hi, I'm Tony, and this has been a test. It is only a test. I'm Josh, and if I daily drive my Jeep for much longer, <laughs> I'm likely going to have to start selling off body fluids to afford the gas. <laughs> I'm Tammy, otherwise known as Jeep Mama Blogger, Vlogger Extraordinaire. Oh. Hey, but before we get things going, we've got an announcement to make. Yeah, I'll, I'll save this question for here in a minute. So we're officially starting our subscriber push. Yes, we're pushers. <laughs> here on episode 400 wow what a great fun journey we've had to this point and we're looking forward to doing much much more long into the future and you can help us out help us and the future of the show by subscribing to the show for about two bucks a month it's very simple and easy to subscribe to the show by going to jeeptalkshow.com contact and look for support our show in the big yellow subscribe button very easy Guys, I can't believe it. 400 episodes. And, and Tammy, you've been here for at least 100, right? Uh, a little bit more than <laughs> that. More than that, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yes. Been here I, for I, over half of those episodes, well, you, I think. I remember point. you were with yeah. us on our big 200th episode as well. Right. Yeah, that's right. I started about 158, I think, if I remember correctly. Man. Lord. That's like three yep. quarters of the shows, Tammy. It just seems like you yep. just got here. I know, it does. But it's been, gosh, since... December of 2014. Holy cow. That's five amazing. years almost. That's amazing. Where's the I, and time like go? Every Thursday, well, for me, not every Thursday night, but <laughs> since, you know, I seem to take a lot of vacations. Um, but I know it's like, wow. Josh, how is it? Because you've been here even longer. Uh, how, <laughs> it's like 2011, how it? yeah. 12, How like is that? it that you're able to be with us every week? I mean, it's, it, it's a lot for Tammy, five years, but... You, you know, seven, eight years now that you've been doing this, every week, uh, almost every week, uh, certainly more often than Tammy, uh, you've been with us. Mm-hmm. How are you able to do that? Why are you able I, to do that? Yeah, why? <laughs> Didn't <laughs> we know. fire you? <laughs> oh, you mean, without a paycheck, nonetheless. Exactly. No, I, I, I love doing this. I've, I've had fun um, I, back. I mean, when, when I first discovered that somebody was out there doing a podcast about Jeeps, I, I was like, oh. I've got to check that out. I have a desk job. I need to listen to stuff, you know, to keep from going crazy all day long. <laughs> this fits the bill. And as I started listening to it, I was just like, you and know, you went, hey, oh, I holy can- hell, this guy needs some help. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> there was that. <laughs> but I was like, I can contribute, you know, and I think I think you had even um, you had taken a small hiatus. Yeah. Uh, you would you were like, um, you know, and if you want to, you know, maybe help me out, get this thing going again or whatever, reach out to me and we'll see if, you know, maybe we can we can you know, light a fire into this thing again or something. And I think you were honestly on the fence about whether or not you were going to start the show back up again. 
and um uh, and I chimed in, hey, you know, I've been a DJ for a little while. I've got experience behind the mic and I've got equipment and I know stuff. So how about I, I, you know, be a segment producer or something like that. And and that's where it all started, man. And it's been freaking, what, seven years now? Yeah, we had a lot of fun going back and forth working on the show audio quality. And me picking your brain about Yeah, me picking your brain about Is that the word you want to use? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. It was interesting because it was like neither one of us knew. I think you knew a little more because of the DJ stuff. And I would send you stuff and you'd listen to it and go, no, I think this would be sound better. And I'd try a little something and this back and forth. It was it was the early days. We were it was like we were building our first Starhopper at SpaceX. It was <laughs> it was well, just, you're not you're not too far off base because, I mean, the studio that I have now is a far cry from what it was when I first started. I mean, th- this thing has has really evolved over the years quite substantially, but that's Primarily due to me DJ or uh, retiring from DJing and sort of refocusing my efforts into into the voiceover industry, right? Uh, and and that was the primary reason for for building my studio up um, more than it was for what I was doing for the show. And now this is, for all intents and purposes, a broadcast quality studio that that I'm doing this from, minus the air conditioner in the window that you can probably <laughs> hear over my voice. But uh, aside from that, um, yeah, it, it's 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 been a lot of fun, and it's been a a very interesting progression of things because this. This has been a learning experience for me too, and I know it's been one for for Tammy as well. Even having a background in broadcast television, mm-hmm. for F's sake, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, when I went to technical school, I was um, it was mainly learning how to be a DJ, which I never was, but now I kind of am. Oh my gosh! You know how to mix rank drinks, and you got training as a DJ. You I got know. A second career Please. right there. So, Tammy, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but has has the show done anything for you as far as? Uh, encouraging you to do your your blog. I think you were doing your blog prior. Uh, yeah. Maybe stay active in it and uh, anything uh, having to do with the, the YouTube channel or uh, I don't know if you coming here every week helped you be motivated for those type things or you would have done them anyway. Um, I think what it has helped me is to become more confident. Um, you and Josh have been so helpful in that and it has made me become uh, um. I feel like I can talk to people easier. I feel, and I think because of the Jeep Talk Show, it has helped me become better at just being able to talk in my my vlog on my YouTube channel instead of like if you first listen to some of the episodes I was first on on the Jeep Talk Show, which please don't listen to them because they're <laughs> oh my god, you know. And I remember Tony just getting on me and getting on me, and I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And now I listen, I'm like, oh my god. But I feel like I'm more comfortable just talking freely. I don't, you know, I can just, I can talk off the top of my head now. I can, I'm more confident that way. Well, you know, I think, I, I think I was saying repeatedly, we have to have your voice because if we don't have your voice, I can't talk over you. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Who, who's Tony going to talk over? Um, well, t- Tammy, don't feel too bad. I mean, because the very first, uh, you know, episodes of the XJ talk show, the, yeah. the precursor to what this right. show, you know, uh, became. Um, I mean, he was whispering to himself in the closet. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> weird. I didn't want my family hearing me and making fun of me. What are you doing in there? You think you're I something? Know. You're not something. <laughs> and now we're the most downloaded Jeep podcast on the planet in the top 20% of all podcasts in the world. We have certainly made a name for ourselves in the Jeep world and, uh, and we hope to have you guys and our listeners, uh, come along this journey with us. 
Yeah, very much so. And, and in fact, it's now, it's like uh, Jeep Talk Show, I've, I've never heard of that, to, wait a minute, I think I remember, I think somebody said something about that. Yeah, I think no, I remember somebody saying no, something I can't about remember. that one time. <laughs> Who knows? So it's, it's improving. Who are you again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I'll, I'll, I will mention this. Uh, we changed the name of the show from XJ Talk Show to Jeep Talk Show because of Tammy joining with her Wrangler and her Wrangler information, and we wanted to appeal to a, a larger audience. Uh, I, I love Jeeps. Uh, Wranglers, uh, I, I've always loved Wranglers. Uh, I just happen to have an XJ. Of course, we have several Wranglers <laughs> as well yeah, now. now. <laughs> <laughs> but So uh, it's great. I love having uh, uh, all those voices, and uh, we hope, hope to add some more here in the future. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. I bet you didn't know that Amazon has things like hurricane survival kits. And with Dorian on our doorstep, it might be time to think about your emergency preparedness. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and press the big Amazon button there. You'll be taken right to Amazon.com. While there, anything you purchase will prepare you for an emergency of any kind, and it will give the show a few cents of support while costing you nothing more. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we do here, well, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look for the big Amazon button. Hey, and thanks in advance. Okay, wait, so Jeeps can fly now? Now, I'm not like, I'm likely not going to shock anybody or offend anyone when I say Mother Nature is a bitch, or at least she can be. It's all fine and dandy to get a little sprinkle to knock down the dust on the trail, and it's hard to beat an awesome day of wheeling out in some fresh snowfall. And when Mother Nature cooperates like that, things can be amazing. But when she turns fickle, boy, watch out. Which would have been sage advice, especially for the people living around the Campbell County, Wyoming area this last week. It was there where Mother Nature decided to throw a fit. Ordinarily, it can be argued that Jeeps were designed to go off-road, that one of their primary purposes on this planet is to ferry us adventurists to those hard-to-reach and remote areas to have a little fun off-road. But I don't think FCA had this in mind when they recommend Jeep owners to leave the pavement behind. As it turns out, there was a brand spanking new 2019 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Rubicon that was parked in the southeast corner of the lot at White's Energy Motors around 6.45 p.m. on August 25th. Well, Mother Nature wasn't having any of that. Whether it was feng shui, wasn't enough feng shui for her, or she was just taking out her anger on that particular Jeep, either way, it left the parking lot and not under its own power. One eyewitness reported seeing the Jeep airborne. Another said he thought the driver of the Jeep was racing to take cover from the storm that was hitting the area. But that's when the Jeep veered into a retaining wall and flopped over on its side near the intersection of Skyline and Westover Roads, and that is where it stayed. Not exactly what you'd call normal driving behavior for a Jeep owner. Initially, you'd think, oh, drunk driver, or the person behind the wheel was having a medical emergency like a heart attack or a seizure or something. But what if I told you that it was Mother Nature that was the one driving that Jeep? The general manager, Cody Brown, said that he'd even asked the officer responding to the wreck to take a picture to verify the Jeep was in park, which it was. After dodging the bullet all summer long, more than 200 vehicles at White's Energy Motors sustained hail damage and more in this storm including one particular Jeep Wrangler who Mother Nature decided to pick up and take for a joyride. The price tag on the brand new Jeep was just over $51,000. Brown said it's up to insurance to decide whether or not the vehicle is totaled. With body damage, broken mirrors, a bent axle, and a shattered driveline, eh, could probably go either way. Oh, hell, man, that's just a good weekend. <laughs> uh, crazy. That's just average carnage. That's yeah, just mall crawling. Happens all the time. All right, how many people do you guys think out there were going... 
where is this? I want to see if I can buy it for a thousand dollars. I'll wheel the shit out of that thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, all in all, the Jeep does look fairly straight still. Yeah. Uh, there is some minor body damage, and then the front end's a little bit messed up. And of course, obviously, the uh, the uh, undercarriage and a little bit of the drivetrain is going to have to be replaced. But I don't think that that's fifty one thousand dollars worth of uh, equipment and labor. But uh, who knows? I mean, a dealership is a dealership, and uh, I don't know how insurance works with those guys, so they might just write it off. You know, I just love bad weather. Uh, it, it's just so fascinating to me that something is that much bigger and powerful than what we are, and just to stand there in awe of seeing it uh, lift a vehicle and, and just throw those things around, it's just, to me, it's just uh, just amazing to be able to, to witness those things, and if it's not my vehicle being damaged, uh, all the better. Well, yeah, <laughs> very much so. If I had tacos okay. with me, it'd be dinner and a show. So you guys might remember the two stories we reported on over the last month or so about the price gouging going on with the new Jeep Gladiator pickups, right? Okay, well, here's one for the record books. Now, as most of you within the sound of my voice already know, the Jeep community has been masochistically demanding and clamoring <laughs> for a V8 version of the truck. I mean, and it just makes sense. Yeah. Same thing with the two-door version, but... Unfortunately, FCA ain't going to do it anytime soon. Even though a Hellcat V8 will essentially drop right in, FCA has nixed the idea, stating safety concerns. Hell, even the head of the Jeep brand, Tim Kanuskas, has told countless press officials the Hellcat motor fits in a Jeep Wrangler just like a glove. But that's not the problem. Jeep claims the vehicle would no longer have a crumple zone in the front with all that motor shoved under the hood. It would plain and simply never pass a crash test. And there would also be a question of fuel economy and emissions, and the EPA would Bite have something me. to say about that. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Most of us would say to that, who cares? You've seen them on YouTube and all over the internet. People buying a crate Hellcat motor and dropping them into a JK or JKUs, and yes, now even the Gladiator. Despite FCA safety warnings, the Hellcat Gladiator does exist nonetheless, and one could be yours for just the low, low price of $150,000. Oh, my God. I'm not joking. The 707-horsepower Gladiator is for sale at a dealership in Phoenix, Arizona called Mark Mitsubishi. The actual list price is $147,992 in the event that the extra $2,008 off influences your purchasing decision. (laughs) Oh, and it's listed as pre-owned and has a whopping 1,456 miles on it. (laughs) There are logos for America's Most Wanted 4x4 all over the pickup, which is a company or shop that advertises things like Hellcat, Demon, and Elephant engine swaps on Gladiators and Wranglers. This particular swap was done on a Gladiator Rubicon trim, which starts at $43,545 on the configurator with Jeep's standard 285 horsepower 3.6 liter Pentastar V6. America's Most Wanted 4x4 advertises its Gladiator Hellcat conversion kit, the important word there being kit, for $58,850. Well, the question is then whether the extra 422 horsepower, all swapped, pretty and ready to go, is worth the extra $100,000 in labor it takes to install said kit. Well, the answer, I guess, would be maybe, if you are the type of person, that is, who uses $100 bills as dish towels or toilet paper. Oh, well, it's only money, right? So, uh, can I pay with a two-party out-of-state check? (laughs) Right. I just endorse it here on the back. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Maybe not so much you, Tammy, but when I hear uh, safety hazard or uh, anything that's unsafe, I go, ah, yeah, yeah, I got to have that. I, you know, I can't believe, um, 
th- there's not a hundred thousand dollars worth of labor in doing that engine swap. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, God bless them. It's it's capitalism at its finest. But one hundred forty-seven thousand uh, dollars. Yeah. I mean, if it was uh, uh, four bedrooms and two baths or two and a half baths, maybe. I mean, you could buy a Ferrari for that. You could buy a Lamborghini for that, likely. I mean, come on. $150,000 will pretty much get your pick of supercar. Gladiator so, Rubicon outruns a police <laughs> helicopter <laughs> on I-10. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there, there is the bragging rights there. Uh, and, of course, you would still have uh, off-road ability uh, there. You'd really? still have a 4 by 4 Because you'd I go really far so. off-road, depending on the, the, the incline that you'd launched off, <laughs> yeah. the, off of. <laughs> <laughs> reach low Earth orbit, in fact. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I guess it's if you've got that kind of money to blow, then I guess it doesn't really matter. Oh, it, it's just so <laughs> exciting. The whole thing is just exciting. And then it, and then it costs more than, you know, selling both of your kidneys, which, which you need at least one. Houses. Yeah, I mean, that's that's even that makes it really interesting. And and then there's somebody out there go, well, I can do one of those things for uh, for 60,000, you know, and, and they're going to do it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's great. I love seeing that, and I, I really wish Jeep would actually do it. But well, and I really them, wish have that- them sign a waiver. I mean, here's a waiver, and, and make it like one of those big checks that you get whenever you win a golfing tournament or something. So it's like a really big waiver. They can make a big it has deal to be out of it. Printed into the paint of the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the NHTSA would uh, or NHTSB would have uh, something to say about that. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, there'd be somebody that would complain and throw fit. Of something. course, who's the oh, flight like. organization? Whenever there's a plane crash, no, the FAA, like, FAA. No, no, there's a group that's in something or another. I, I think oh, it would be TBSB. Yeah, that would be cool if they got involved in a, a gladiator wreck because it was flying, man. <laughs> Well, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we want to hear what you have to say. Be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we have an interview with Paul Joe, Senior Motorsports Manager for Nexon Tires. Also coming up in Tech Talk, we're going to be talking about brakes. All right, now this is probably the most exciting thing we have to tell you in this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. It's just brakes, Tony. It's not that big of a deal. I'm- we have, wait for it, we have a new survey. Dun, dun, <gasps> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> Here we go. So, the, yeah, we have a brand new survey, and we'd love to read your answers to our questions, legit answers. Uh, please take a Mickey minute. G. <laughs> to take uh, To take our survey. Just, it's just a minute. You know, I'm lying. It's actually 15, but you wouldn't go if you knew it was 15 minutes to fill this thing out. Uh, it helps the show and helps you, or at least uh, that's the story we're sticking with. Uh, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look for the image of the clipboard with the green check mark. Is that specific enough, you think, guys? Uh, click it. should and, be able to find that. <laughs> prepare yourself for, for some excitement. There's really not that many questions. I think there's maybe 10. Uh, and uh, it really helps us get a better idea of uh, what you guys like about the show and uh, kind of the direction you want us to take it in. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, if you haven't heard, Cody and Matt over the Trail Chasers podcast is giving away a set of Nexon tires. Head over to 4x4radionetwork.com and listen to their latest episode or search and add Trail Chasers to your favorite podcast player today. Hey guys, this is Rodney Jesus Outpost with the, the Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion. I'm talking to the guys at um, Monster Liners. I'm uh, trying to get you guys interviews. So they'll give you a call and set up interviews. Look forward to hearing it. Thanks, guys. 
Wow, thank you so much yeah. uh, talking yeah, to cool, those folks Ryan. for us. And it was uh, not requested, uh, and we certainly appreciate uh, any help we can get. Because as I always tell people, don't feel shy. We need a, a guest every week. <laughs> shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. Okay, a little update on my off-road adventure that I will be taking in October. Um, I originally told you that um, Neil and I are going to be doing the Trans-American Trail, which is a route across the United States. And, um, you know, we were, I was doing a lot of research online, and um, the original Trans-American Trail um, has a website where you can buy their maps and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh. They're quite a bit of money, and um, I just wasn't sure. And then I found all these other sites where they were giving the free maps away. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'll check this out. And, you know, I downloaded everything that I needed to download. And I'm on Google Earth in the, the satellite view where you can see the actual Earth. Um, and I'm like, you know, following the track close up as I can get. And I'm like, this doesn't look like dirt roads. These are... Um, you know, paved roads, you can see the yellow line. And so then I get back onto the original website of the Trans-American Trail, and I'm kind of reading some descriptions about the trail and the different stuff in the States, and it just didn't match up with the free stuff. So I decided to reach out to Sam, Sam Correro. He is the originator of the official Trans-American Trail that goes across the U.S., Back in the late 1970s, the early 80s, he spent 10 years on his motorcycle tracking, mapping America and finding... Did he, did the, he get lost? Yeah, Is the... I'm sure he got lost quite a few times. And he was tracking dirt roads, old farm roads, um, off-road trails. And the trail was originally designed in his mind for motorcyclists. And um, he still continues to this day to update the trail and the maps. And, you know, don't be fooled. I just, I, and I actually reached out to Sam because I had so many questions for him. And we uh, um, spoke on the phone the other night and so excited. He's working with Neil and I, and he's, he's giving me, um, and we need to have him on the show because uh, it's just, his story is so interesting. And he's, you know, sharing with me the differences between these trails and you know he worked so hard to get a good route going and people are taking his stuff and now they're posting it on the internet and saying it's the trans-american trail well it's not the only the official trans-american route is his route and the sad thing about it is he's getting calls from local sheriff's departments the national forestry people and because people are abusing um, these roads and they're going on the free trails and these are private property. They're um, state lands that you shouldn't be on um, national lands that you you're not supposed to be on because it's private property. And these people aren't taking the, using the tread lightly principles. And so I just feel like I need to speak out and say, if you're going to do the Trans-American Trail, you really need to get Sam's maps. Um, not only that, he's worked so hard 
And these are the, the actual trails. And you're going to be on, you will be confident to know that you are on the right route and you're not going to be driving on private lands or ending, ending up on a dead end road or even a gated road. And some people are even bypassing these gates and going on these roads and they shouldn't be there. So Tammy, Neil and I Tammy, are, let me let ahead. me interject. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got to ask an important question here because I'm on the the T, the transamericatrail.com uh, website and I'm I'm looking at their map selection here and I mean there's got to be 30 different maps to choose from here. How do right. you know which map and it, it doesn't seem like any one of them is the entire trail. It seems like you would have to buy all 30 maps if you want to do the entire trail. Do you know how this works? Well, um, and that's what I'm still trying to figure out. And, and Neil and I aren't going to do the whole trail. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, just because the time of year we're doing it. Obviously, Josh, coming up to your neck of the woods that time of year, yeah. we would probably hit a lot of snow. So yeah, we're gonna would. we're gonna do part of it. And I don't think anyone. Um, I I, sh I shouldn't say that because I don't know. But you can buy sections of it, and everything that I've read on forums and online, people do it in sections because no one really has the time to do the whole thing all at once. Um, and, um, you know, I would have to ask Sam about if you want to do the whole trail. But see, the thing is, there's little offshoots now. You know, yeah, I'm you seeing can, I'm seeing all these spurs. You know, you have the Atlantic yes. Ocean spur, the Pacific Ocean spur, right. and and these other spurs and loops and stuff like that that you can you right. can take to go either north or south or you know west right. or how far up you want to go. And and it seems like there is a lot of planning involved right. or something like this. Right. And I know when I was speaking to him, the original when he first did this back in the the eighties. The original start of the trail was in um, Marrington, West Virginia. I think I'm pronouncing that properly. But now you can actually start from the um, the Outer Banks, and you can take the Outer Bank spur to you know the Virginia part. And then there's you know, so it just depends on what you want to do and where you want to go. Um, so right now, Neil and I will be starting. Um, in the West Virginia Trail, because neither of us have any desire to start at the Outer Banks. Um, but we're going to start the West Virginia and go down through Tennessee, do that route up through um, Colorado and Moab. Hopefully the weather will be good to us. And then, you know, like I said, we're going to hopefully stop at Tom Woods Drive Shaft Shop, and then we're going to head to the Southwest, maybe down near where Trail Tracers is. Maybe I can hook up with Cody. Um yeah. So and but that part of the trail um, from Moab goes up to your area, Josh, or even winds through some of it winds around through Idaho, Wyoming, down back through South Dakota. And obviously in you know the late fall is probably not a good time to be up in those areas. So we're just gonna veer off and do our own thing and head down a little more south where we'll have better weather. So, so Tammy, uh, I would really like to know, I think I know, and I'll, I'll mention why here in a second, why in the world uh, would Sam not include Texas into this awesome uh, map making he's doing? I personally think it's because of the UFOs. If you're driving a motorcycle <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're already sitting on a uh, one of those little donuts because you got some hemorrhoids problems, you don't want to have a run-in with aliens. We'll have to get I, Sam on to verify. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I, <laughs> Tony, you just like, I'm like, did he just say that? <laughs> so, 
you know, well, like donuts. I, I think, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. I could use a donut right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good idea to ask the, Sam these questions because he has know, a club, I, doesn't he? I possibly I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm still you know the jokes like, don't get any better, friends. They no, don't get any better than this. <laughs> um, but it, it it is an interesting story, and there's so much to it. And I just wanted to let people know if you are going to do any parts of these trails, I would be very careful if you use any other maps or. Um, download any other GPS information. Um, you just need to be really careful because people are, um, you know, getting in trouble, and um, you could be um, arrested for trespassing and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, very true. Oh, good. So, Tammy, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, I know that's sure you do. I, yes, you I know do, that's unusual. Tony. You always uh, do. <laughs> I know that's unusual for me to say that uh, with a straight <laughs> face. Uh, yeah. but, uh, do you, uh, you've got quite a few sponsors. Do you, do you feel like, uh, t- uh telling the folks? Cause this is like a legitimate oh. thing. This isn't some, yeah. some mom, uh, uh tired of, uh, fixing sandwiches I, at the house and right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go off for a month. You, you've got some sponsors to this thing. Yeah, I do. And I just, you know, uh, people at work are like, Oh, you're going on a vacation. I'm like, no, this is, I mean, okay. Yeah. It's going to be fun and I'm going to have a good time, but I'm also going to be vacation, working. Debbie. <laughs> That's more I'm like sorry. a leave of absence. I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, yeah, there will be some vacating, but there, I mean, you're, there may be some harrowing moments throughout all right. this. So well, I hope and, there's no drugs involved. And th- this is, this is kind of like my push to up my game on YouTube, to up my game in the off-road community. And um, I'm going to be, you know, also working, but um, Adam's, my, I, I'm like amazed at the off-road community and how supportive they are. Um, off-road or Adams Jeep of, of Aberdeen. That's where I bought my Rubicon. The Extreme Motorsports, they're my, my main sponsor. Um, Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts. Thank you, Sean. Amazing. They are, um, I just love them. You know, we, Neil is talking to Sean constantly. And by the way, Neil is also doing, he does Jeep builds and stuff. So he's, you know, he's paying back these sponsors when we can by using their parts and stuff in his builds um, for other customers. Adrenaline Off-Road, of course, Jeff at Adrenaline Off-Road, Quadratech, um, More Ride, um, Mattress Firm, uh, Quantum Coat, which I'll be talking about them a lot more as soon as I learn more about their product. Um, Extreme Terrain, Sam with the Trans-American Trail, Nexon Tires, um, and Nate SWB Crawler. Nate, thank you so much. He um, he designed my T-shirts, which I am we are selling. Um, you can go to my my Facebook page, and I'll have them up on my blog soon. But um, so we're we're having Jeep Mama and Neil's F, um, Adams Extreme Epic Off Road Adventure T-shirts, and Neil and I decided, you know, we want to give back. Too. So some of the proceeds to those T-shirts we're going to be donating to Four Wheel to Heal, which is the group. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, the group that um, helps um, disabled veterans give them. They give them wheeling oh, trips. Oh, Burnt Customs stuff. as well, right? Oh yeah, and Tammy at Burnt Customs. Sorry, I, yes, Tammy at Burnt Customs. She Thank was your she was first one, she right? Was my first. Yeah. She was my first supporter. Jeep Girls Rock, of course. Um. So, and, you know, I'm still talking with folks, 
Um, I just think I just this community just I, amazes me how supportive everyone is of each other. Not that you haven't done lots of work through YouTube and here on the show and stuff, uh, but really all you had to do is ask these people and have some very uh, well-timed photos of uh, compromising situations oh, to, yeah. get them, no, to get no, them involved. No. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is all on the up and up. Right. And, and, pretty and sure. Just let, you know, I am, I am giving back to them by, you know, testing out their products and sharing my honest reviews. And you're going to be running some Nexon tires, uh, I believe, yes. as well, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the things, the, the guy from Adam's Jeep, when he was talking to me on the phone, he just, he right away, he knew that he could trust me. And when Extreme Terrain first, <laughs> Jeez. And you, when, when you first. He's drinking when, at work. When Extreme Terrain first reached out to me, gosh, all those years ago, that was one of the things that struck them about my blog is I come across as just a a regular old person, not old, a regular person. (laughs) Uh, I am old. It went off Um, the rails. And who's giving her honest opinion just as your well, you're normal. You're genuine. Uh, it's right. what it is. You can trust what you're saying. So right. uh, that's what you want. And and I will give my honest opinion, you know, if it's, and, and it, as a new Jeeper, I don't have a lot of um, experience with a whole bunch of different things, but this is my experience. First time using this product and it, you know, it either will work for me or it won't. And then I'll tell you all the issues I have, like with my headlights, with the Oxbeam headlights. Mm-hmm. You know, they worked and then they didn't work. And I didn't I didn't cover it up by yeah, saying yeah, No, in fact, you, you went through every process yeah. of troubleshooting and everything that you did to try and work around the problem that it ended up being the lights themselves. Right. So, you know, I just... I. I think this is going to be a great experience it's going to give me a little better knowledge of things and being with neil he's you know he's a mechanic it would be like me going off road with josh on a trip with josh because josh has Except so you have much a better knowledge. chance of coming back i mean <laughs> yeah. you're gonna have a lot more fun <laughs> um, so our our, 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 Je- our jeeps would get stolen um <laughs> sorry josh that was below um, the belt come on <laughs> and a little but in, you know all that knowledge i'll be able to get every day and i can get under my jeep and and he can show me the reason why this and that and for me i'm a visual person and i need to see and touch and you know how things work so it'll be it's going to be such a great experience for yeah, me and i'm yeah, so excited it certainly will be. Well, anxious to hear you uh, uh, out on the road, and especially when you get back and uh, hear all the stories. Uh huh. So it's hour thirty-seven. I already missed my shower. I know. <laughs> Actually, Neil has, and he's got it working. Um, he just got it working yesterday, I think. A fifteen-gallon water tank on top of his Wagoneer, and it has a pipe, a one and a half inch um, square, I guess you would call it. Um, pipe with a shower head. Um, so the pipe will, you know, rotate off the the roof rack, and we can shower right there. What a great way to get rid of panhandlers at uh, those intersections. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <All> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I need that course, out here in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, I mean, if you're listening, buddy, 
You got to come right. out. I said, no, I don't need my windshield cleaned. Okay, I gave right. you the warning. And the, the guy does a flash dance thing. Hey. So, um, and uh, really cool, on Sunday I'll be uploading a video of the refrigerator that we bought. Um, this is like the best deal ever in a, in a refrigerator if you're going over landing. Um, this is a 12-volt. A refrigerator, yes. right? Not a propane yes. powered or 120 nope. volt refrigerator. No, this is an actual 120 volt with a really good long extension cord. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it compares to the ARB and this mini built fridge, and it's for a thir- two thirds less the cost. But but it's oh, but wow. they but they still have time to sponsor you with a refrigerator, right? <laughs> Uh, well, they did, but um, oh, they missed out. But if somebody would they, like to help sponsor your your trip and maybe get a product in your uh, yeah. to be reviewed or something, they can they can still do that, right? Because this is right. happening mid October. Yes, and um, the thing about it too is Neil has so much experience. You know, so you it's like old versus new. He's very old school, Tony. And by the way, he feels that you should have cable instead of synthetic. So there you go. Um, so we'll be debating that on the on the trails for you. <laughs> I, can hear um, I can hear him on the CV. Damn it, Neil! <laughs> Synthetic, no cable. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but if if somebody wants to, I, I was trying to do a segue for you, Tammy. If oh, somebody okay. would like to uh, help sponsor your trip, how would they go about doing that? You just want them to go through jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, or yeah, that that's probably easiest. Or you can contact me on my blog or. You know, Facebook Messenger. Um, well, for, you know, for, for, for simplicity, uh, just go over to contact. Send, yep. Look up the email. Send an email. Tammy, Josh, and I all three see that. That way, we can keep uh, keep tracks on Tammy and what what goodies she's getting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just really excited and so thankful to everybody. And you know what? Thankful to the the people who donated to my GoFundMe page. You know, it just it means a lot to me. Um, I'm having to take a leave of absence from work. And I just, you know, I just think this will be a good experience for me and to share and to inspire other people. You know, if you can't do it for a whole month, at least get out there and maybe do a little overlanding in your area. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, there's so much to see in our in the This United guy States. in his Jeep has been parked in my backyard <laughs> for a week now. He just won't leave. Actually, you, yeah. may, you may actually run across some people that will uh, open their, their backyards or their driveways or yep. something to you guys so that you can uh, they already uh, have. stay there yeah. so uh, now I, I know that uh, we've talked about people uh, following your trip uh, and maybe meeting up with you or maybe even driving along part of the trail with oh, you yeah. uh, how are people going to be I mean what's what do people need to do right now to be able to to get set up where they if they're interested in doing that how they can keep up with you and where you guys are going to be would uh, would Facebook be the best way of doing that I mean how uh, yeah, Facebook, and then I've also set up, um, and I'm going to p- be putting this on my blog, a Slack um, account, which Slack is like a, a a chat area, and I release stuff on there before I release stuff on, and it's free. Yeah, you really, shouldn't, you really shouldn't listen to Nate about everything, because I, I think uh, Slack's a bad idea, but that's fine. <laughs> um, that's for Nate, that's not, not criticizing you. So, so I've got that little that set up, and um, you know, YouTube. I'll be doing YouTube lives throughout the trip, but but Facebook for the most part is probably the best. Um, or you can just um, email me through um, the Jeep Talk Show slash contacts, and you know, 
I can, um, you can tell me like where you live, you know, and, and if you're going to be, if we're going to be in the area where, you, where we are, and I, then I can add you to my list and let you know when and where we're going to be and we can meet up that way too. Have you heard so of the uh, the Glimpse app, um, uh, uh, Tammy? No, uh, I haven't. I'm Tony, I just barely can use Facebook. It's, so. uh, it's, it's Glimpse with a Y and uh, you can actually uh, use your smartphone and its GPS to send your location uh, to somebody or a group of people. So if you were going right. to a specific place where you knew there was going to be some people meeting up with you, you could have a list and actually uh, they could actually follow you on the map exactly where you were and uh, perhaps get that uh, get their soap and towel ready to take a shower right. uh, on Neil's uh, little swing out arm there. That, w- that would make some good photos for the blog, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> downtown, we're, we're cruising through a downtown and there's a there's a horde of pissed me. off bums yeah. behind them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, folks, coming up later in the show, we're going to hear some funny stuff from Nikki G. More funny stuff. Oh, I can't yes. believe this show. It's so great. Hey, Geek Talk Show. This is Tim from Holland, Michigan. I was listening to episode 399, and I heard you guys talking about whether or not it was a good idea to wheel alone, and it reminded me of something that I've been looking into getting to myself. It's called a spot GPS locator. Um, it allows you to locate yourself if there's an emergency. Um, it has a SOV feature. If you happen to get your vehicle stuck or stranded somewhere, you can push the SOV button and they will come to your position to rescue you. There is also um, the option to do 10-minute up to 60-minute interval check-ins for your friends and family and it will send your friends and family a link to track your current progress and give them the GPS um, you know, location is where you currently are. It would be really cool if uh, Jeep Mama got something similar for her trip coming up uh, so everyone can follow her progress and, you know, whatnot. Thank you. Enjoy the show. The link sounds like it would be a great idea because that way you don't have to send, the, like, the glimpse where you have to send the, the message out to a group or something. Right. Yeah, that actually um, – I- <laughs> These things are, are constantly in the news out here in the Pacific Northwest because we have so many mountains out here. There's a lot of hiking and, and, and outdoor use out here in the Pacific Northwest. And you hear it, I mean, several times a year about this hiker or that who got lost, um, search and rescue team searching, search has been called off, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. Um, and then you hear those ones where uh, a, a, a hiker uh, got in trouble. Um, they activated their beacon and they were rescued within 24 hours and, and, and everybody's you know, happy and back at home for supper. Um, these things I, I've actually wheeled with guys who keep these in their rigs, um, guys who do some overlanding and stuff like that. And in fact, one of the uh, guys who I work with, he recently took a vacation, went down to Crater Lake here in Oregon um, and met up with, um, with several people, one of which was a woman from France who was taking about a month or so of leave and had started down in, I think, New Mexico or, or maybe right on the Mexican border. She's doing the Pacific Crest Trail. And when she's hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, and that's basically the Pacific Coast Trail. It goes from the Mexican border up to the Canadian border and goes through Canada or goes through California, Oregon, and Washington. And she's hiking this whole trail and she's using one of these devices um, and the regular GPS pinging uh, for her family and friends so that they know that she's safe the entire time. And, and that's what this is. Every 10 minutes, it sends a I'm okay signal. And, and they can log on to 
whatever the interface is to, to see her specific unit and verify that, okay, yeah, she's in California. Okay, she's in Oregon now. Okay, she's been fine all day. You know, all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. There's been the last three hours. She hasn't checked in. That means she's in trouble. And, and that way, then you can go ahead and start, you know, activating some EMS to maybe get that person some, some help or something like that. So these things are amazing devices. They do everything that they, they say they're going to do, and they can and will save your life if you are, find yourself out in remote areas for extended periods of time. Well, guys, the motorsport industry lost an icon this week. 36-year-old Jesse Combs has passed away. Known as the fastest woman alive, she's an avid off-road racer, has competed in the King of Hammers for many, many years, former host of Extreme 4x4 on TV, Mythbusters, Overhaulin', All Girls Garage, Truck U, and The List, among many other TV appearances. She set the land speed record of 398 miles per hour in 2013 with a top speed of 440 miles per hour, which for any of you out there interested in the math behind that, it would be like traveling the distance of over two football fields in one second. Combs died two days ago, as we are recording the show, on August 27th, while she was attempting to break her own 2013 land speed record when she crashed the high-speed jet-powered vehicle with the vehicle bursting into flames. Details on the crash and its aftermath have not yet been released, but Combs' family said she was surrounded by loved ones when she died. The incident is currently under investigation by both Oregon officials and Jesse's team. One of her last social media posts said this, It may seem a little crazy to walk directly into the line of fire. Those who are willing are those who achieve great things. People say I'm crazy. I say thank you. She wrote, adding the hashtags, gotta break 512, hashtag aiming for 619. And from all of us here at the Jeep Talk Show, our condolences and deepest sympathies go out to her family and friends. Godspeed, Jesse. Well, every so often we get some emails from listeners just like you. And uh, we got one here over this last week. And this one really kind of just caught me flat-footed. Because it's such a great question. And I can't believe it's a topic that we haven't ever addressed on the show before. And we've talked about how long the show's been going for, geez, I think, you know, know, 10 years now or almost. Um, and this is a topic and a question that has never really come up and I'm shocked and amazed because this is something that so many of us have come across and, uh, and you probably don't know a whole lot about it. I'm just going to go ahead and go into this. He says, good afternoon, Jeep talk show. You have you ever tried to drive a half mile on a dirt road that's gridded like a washboard? Holy crap. It'll knock the fillings right out of your teeth, even at 20 miles per hour. I know some say to air down tires, but that's not practical for that short of a distance. Then the road goes back to paved and leads to the highway after that. Any idea why this happens? Thanks for your thoughts. Love the show, you guys. Signed, Tom. Well, if you're not familiar with what washboarding is, it's what happens to sandy, dirt, or gravel roads over time after being driven on for a while. It's the same no matter where you go, what side of the nation you're on, or even what continent you're on. Washboarding on roads is all too common the world around. And frankly, there's not much you can do to negate the rough ride it presents as you drive over it. Tom did get good advice, though. Airing down is probably one of the best ways to diminish the effects of driving over a washboarded road. A super soft suspension, one so soft it might be not safe to drive on the road, might help to a certain extent, too. And, of course, driving slow, real, real slow, will all but eliminate the effects. But who in their right mind wants to spend three or four times the amount of time getting from one trail to the next by driving less than five miles per hour? Because that's what it's going to take. 
But Tom's right. Bearing down isn't practical in all situations, and neither is spending half the day driving on one gravel road. But we got to do what we got to do. Tom wanted to know why this happens, though, how the roads get to be this way in the first place. And I bet you'd be surprised to hear that scientists have actually studied this phenomenon quite a bit. Now, Howard department experts in the mid-1920s became aware that traffic volume and speed were primarily causes of corrugations on gravel roads and cited the role of drive wheels tossing material around as a primary factor. The main problem lies in the material itself, the gravel, sand, or dirt. It gets pushed around, rolled around, and otherwise displaced all too easily. And as tires drive over the uneven surface of a gravel road, 99% of the time they are traveling over 5 miles per hour. Scientists have determined that any circular tire, wheel, or blade traveling over a surface comprised of sand, gravel, or other such loose substrates that corrugation or washboarding can and will occur. Anything over this universal threshold speed of 5 miles per hour and this tire starts to hop. Doesn't matter if it's a Jeep, a passenger car, or a full-size truck. Unless it's pavement, the tire will see small little micro hops despite the shock or strut's ability to keep the rebound down. Now, these small hops of the tire cause the distribution of displaced gravel to take on a washboard-like pattern. Over time, this is self-amplified, as more uneven surface creates more displacement of material, making the washboard effect more pronounced. The only cure is to grade, scrape, or re-gravel the surface every so often to knock down or fill in the ripples in the road. Well, I hope this sheds some light on something that many of us Jeepers have encountered all too many times. And Tom... Thanks for writing in and asking a great question. Really appreciate it. It's interesting. It, it almost sounds like a standing wave like you get in a radio transmission where uh, the exciting of the electrons causes these waves to form. And uh, But this is from the action of the wheel traveling over the thing causing well, these waves. Well, not too dissimilar, Tony. I mean, this is the excitement of the gravel or yeah. the, the substrate, the, the sand and, the, and the, the little grits of dirt and, and, and rock and stuff like that that comprise the road surface, and they are being more or less scattered out in a radius from the tires, um, you know, rolling over it and whatnot. So, and, th- and that, that's what happens. And as this stuff builds up and whatnot, it creates these, these patterns. And they're not too dissimilar from radio waves. I was wondering if maybe uh, airing down a little would help the situation where it's not so far that you need to worry about airing up whenever you get onto the uh, the paved surface instead of, I know, I think a lot of people run max tire pressure because they see the the max the that's the psi they see on the tire so they air it up to 55 psi or whatever Ooh. and you, and you don't have to do that it's 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 good a uh, good idea i can't remember the rule of thumb if it's 20% or 10% or 8% uh, of the max uh, but you want a little cushion in there and perhaps mm-hmm. uh, perhaps not airing down to you know 9 psi is the answer perhaps just airing down to say uh, 40 psi when on a 55 uh, psi tire where you can still uh, drive, get de- uh, decent MPG, and uh, get a little more comfort. Uh, and also, too, that takes some of the stress off of the uh, suspension system if the impact is being absorbed by the tires. Well, it's a direct correlation between the amount of air pressure in the tire and the amount of jarring force that you're going to experience driving over these roads. Now, obviously, if you air down all the way to you know five, six, seven, eight pounds, uh, you're going to experience much less right. of an effect of the, in that washboarding. Um, still, you know, anything over five miles per hour, you're going to start feeling it. You might be able to give yourself a little bit more of a window of speed um, in that regard, the lower you go down in air pressure. Um, but, you know, remember, you're, basically what you're doing is just increasing the footprint. And, and although um, you might be creating more of a cushion for yourself, 
you're actually going to be creating more of a washboard effect behind you. Now, we're talking about a an almost immeasurable amount, but you know, you've got 100 Jeeps driving over that same bit of road in a, in a single weekend and they all aired down versus Jeeps that weren't aired down, well that that phenomenon is going to be exacerbated even more so in that regard. So, hey, guys, people have been taking us up on uh, our sticker offer, uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. I think we've probably had uh, uh, a dozen or so uh, people send in self-addressed stamped yeah. envelopes, and uh, they're uh, they're getting their stickers. Now, we didn't order a whole bunch of them. We were kind of trying out a new size, some uh, three-inch by three-inch stickers. So uh, we're limiting uh, the, the, the number we're putting into the envelopes by, uh, by only uh, limiting it to just two stickers. So, but if you'd like to get these uh, two, three by three inch by three inch stickers, just send us a self-addressed stamped envelope uh, to the show and we will stuff them and get them back out to you. And uh, to get the information about where to send it, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, find one of the various different ways to contact us and we'll shoot you the uh, uh, mailing address. Hey, this is John Lee again, just calling because... uh guess my Texan hood was questioned last time because of the lack of accent. Actually born and raised in Hunt County, so I am true blue, dyed-in-the-wool Texan here. So, eating my fair share of Whataburger at 2 in the morning. Um, <laughs> accent was lost primarily when I went to the Air Force. So, I do got a tech tip issue or something I thought you might be interested in. So, I have the six-speed manual transmission in my uh, Rubicon. And ever since I picked it up from the factory, it's been kind of clinky and um, it's just not very smooth shifting. So uh, I was reading online about uh, changing out the transmission fluid to help fix this problem. And uh, I'd like to <laughs> report that when I pulled the fill plug out, it was definitely low. Um, I've got less than 20,000 miles on the Jeep, so I was kind of shocked at how low it was. Anyway... Replace the fluid, and it's night and day difference. So, not sure if that's a common problem, but it was something I found interesting for you to pass on. Anyway, as usual, great job, and uh, keep it up. It's funny because uh, out of the three Wranglers we have here, uh, they're all, all standard transmissions. The the new one uh, with the six speed transmission is by far the smoothest. Uh, everybody that drives the standards that has driven uh, that one here. Uh, says it it's just, it shifts so nice, uh, and you know the the the, the five speed transmissions aren't bad. It's just the six speed is really smooth. So I was surprised to hear this. Did you get a a vehicle history report like a Carfax or something with that Jeep? I'm just curious to see if maybe sometime in its history the transmission was rebuilt or it had a had a transmission service in it. Nope, didn't have anything like that on there. But yes, I did get a a, a Carfax okay. on it. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's just not recorded in there. But uh, right, right. Uh, six speed, very nice. I mean, uh, from uh, uh, this is a 2005. I think you had mentioned a, an issue with the 2006 uh, six speeds a, a few times over the years. Uh, but uh, seems to be very, very smooth, very nice. Well, Extreme Terrain has been home to Wrangler parts and accessories since its inception in 2003. With tremendous authority in the Wrangler aftermarket comes great responsibility. In a concerted effort to respect the environment we sometimes drive and recreate on, the team at Extreme Terrain is proud to announce their Clean Trails Grant Program, or CTP. XT's CTP award eligible groups such as 4x4 groups, nature preserves, and public parks with grant money to help fund their next trail improvement project, ranging from everything from trail cleanups to restorations and even trail expansions. Ah, cool stuff there. In 2019 alone, 
Extreme Terrain has already granted over 50 trail cleanup grants with the goal of distributing even more funding around the country to clubs and organizations in need. Head on over to the link in the show notes for episode 400 to learn more about this really, really cool program and see previous participants and apply for your own trail cleanup grant from Extreme Terrain today. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, do I ever. We have answers. Oh, that's good. I I... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Now, in episode 398, I started talking about brakes, specifically one of the most common issues facing Jeepers and our brakes, and that's the glazing of the pads. Now, this isn't Krispy Kreme we're talking about here, and glazing is nothing you want to have happen to the pads on your own Jeep. Then I got to thinking, there's a ton of other issues that can diminish the performance of our Jeep's brakes, and I kind of left you guys out. I felt a little bit like I left you hanging a bit in the information department. So, it's time for me to put on the lab coat and take you to class. As we're going to start going over all the things that can go wrong with Jeep brakes, why it happens, and what to do about it. I'm going to break, no pun intended, this into several parts as this is a topic that can get pretty entailed, but you don't have to be an expert or an ASE mechanic to wrap your head around this stuff. A lot of it is nothing more than common sense, and some of it, the brakes are going to be telling you what's going wrong, and all you need to do is know how to, le- know, know how to listen. To start things off, I'm going to go over the top eight signs that you might have a brake or are developing a brake issue. And this may go without saying, but if you hear, feel, or experience any of the following, well, that means it's time for some maintenance or repairs or to get things checked out by a professional. One of the easiest ways to tell if you have a brake issue is to look at the dash. More modern Jeeps have all sorts of warning lights in the instrument panel that can warn you of impeding issues. When one of the red or yellow brake indicators on your dashboard lights up, it may mean you're just due for an inspection. It could also be your vehicle's smart electronics alerting you to a problem. An engaged parking brake, for instance, could also cause the light to go on. Be sure it's fully released to confirm that's not the issue. Seems like common sense, though. Squealing, squeaking, or grinding noises are a good indication that something is wrong with the braking system of your Jeep. If you start hearing a high-pitched squealing or squeaking noise that stops when you apply the brakes, Well, that's likely the sound of the brake pad wear indicator. These wear indicators are made of steel, and and so they make the sound when they start contacting the rotor. They're letting you know that your pads are worn out, and you need to be replacing those before you get rotor damage, which can be pretty expensive to fix if you let it go too long. Grinding noises are another story, though. This is a more severe noise that you may also feel in the pedal. This could be just something as simple as some gravel or a rock that has gotten caught in between the caliper and the rotor. Well, that's an easy fix. But it could also mean that you have gone too long without servicing your brakes. The brake pads may be completely worn through, and you're hearing metal-on-metal grinding that could be creating grooves in the brake rotor. Not good. Not to mention, you're not going to have the stopping power you did when you still had the brake pads. God forbid you get into emergency in that kind of a situation. Grinding could also be an indicator of a lack of lubrication in vehicles with drum rear drum brakes. The brake shoe, the component that presses on the rotor to slow the vehicle, could be scraping on metal contact points like the backing plate due to rust, a very common issue on older Jeeps in the Midwest or in other places where harsh winters and salt on the roads is more common. If you hear any of these sounds, you need to get your brakes looked at right away to head head off a more expensive problem. Now, if there's wobbling, vibration, or shaking in the steering wheel when you're braking, this may be the result of an uneven rotor often referred to as warped rotors. Brake rotors are basically big discs that sit inside of the wheels. When you hit the brake pedal, the brake pads are clamped down on by the caliper and the pads hug the rotors, slowing them and your vehicle. You want the brake rotors to be smooth and completely even in the thickness for the safe and reliable performance sake. 
Now, over time and thousands of wheel revolutions, it's normal for the rotor surface to get slight variations. Surface rust can also sometimes develop, which is completely normal. During brake servicing, the face of the rotor is often machined or turned on a special device that removes small amounts of material from the surface to even things out. This work has to be done exactly to your vehicle specifications. So if you think you can do it with a file or some sandpaper, think again. The tiniest difference in disc thickness, and I'm talking about a thousandth of an inch here, about three sheets of paper in thickness here, can cause a wobbly feeling when you brake. An uneven rotor surface may also cause the rotor to hit one of the brake pads as it spins, causing some of the pad material to transfer onto the rotor into that spot. Then you're going to feel shaking when braking as the pad hits that bump in the rotor. Another possible cause of rough braking is the brake caliper not releasing properly. The job of a brake caliper is to squeeze the brake pads against your brake rotors, which will slow your vehicle down. It's the motion of the piston inside that caliper unit that causes this contact. Now, due to wear from heat or road debris or dust and, or even damage, the piston can get sticky. It may not retract the pads back into the full off position when you let up the brake pedal. This can create brake drag, squealing, and premature brake pad wear. Regular inspections can help ward off this before it happens. A fourth cause of bumpy braking could be damage due to your brake components from improper wheel lug nut installation. The lug nuts are the big bolts that clamp your tire and your wheel onto the hub of your Jeep. Now, anytime the tires are removed, it's crucial for the lug nuts to be put back on in the right order, evenly, and in just the right tightness or torque. It has to be done in a star pattern with just the right pressure. If not, you're going to get uneven, premature rotor wear and be back for service sooner rather than later. Not to mention the effect this is going to have on the drivability of the Jeep. Now, I've got at least four more ways to tell that you're about to have some brake issues, and then we're going to get into what to do about this stuff and what sort of upgrades we can make along the way as well. But that's going to have to wait until the next show. So stay tuned for the next few episodes of the Jeep Talk Show as we cover brakes in Tech Talk. So uh, you didn't mention this in the the uneven uh, rotor surface, so I don't think I'm, I'm stepping on anything you're, you have uh, coming up. But one of the things that I uh, have been uh, told or learned uh, was that uh, your brake uh, rotor gets really hot during the braking process. Uh, and if you hit water, uh, especially a lot of water, it can quickly cool that rotor and cause it to warp. So, that is true. So you got to be really careful uh, about, uh, uh, you know, in Jeeps, we ain't scared of no water. and uh, But it, it, may, it could possibly cause uh, your rotor to be warped. So keep that in mind if you're racing into a pond. <laughs> no, 100% right, Tony, because, I mean, imagine this. You're coming down a mountain trail, and so you're on the brakes pretty much the entire time. I mean, unless you're, you know, you've got a really super-duper low range, and you can kind of just let it, let the, the, the compression of the engine slow you down as you go down the, down the trail, you're going to be on the brakes quite a bit going down this trail. And then you see up about 100 yards ahead, there's a big, fat mud puddle, and so you step on it, and you're flooring <laughs> it, and you go through that mud puddle, but then it's time to stop. What you've just done is you've gone through heat cycles on your brakes way too fast. Yeah. You've heated them up coming down the trail. You cooled them off way too fast as you went through the water, and then you put some more uh, heat to them as you came to a stop um, or tried to come to a stop as your rotors were probably wet then at that point, and, well, you're not going to be stopping as fast as you thought you could. It's exciting, uh, though. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, but Tony's, Tony's right. Um, th this process can warp the rotors unto itself. And if those rotors have been turned a time or two and they're really close to their minimum uh, their minimum thickness, well, there's a chance that you could actually crack the rotor as well. And uh, that would be very, very bad. You don't want to experience that. Yeah. 
Uh, also, too, you mentioned about uh, using the uh, the low range on your uh, transfer case and engine uh, to, to do a slow descent. And I mm-hmm. highly recommend that. There's a oh, lot yeah. of people that have gotten in trouble uh, with brake fade uh, or just mm-hmm. write out brake failure on a, a steep decline. So uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, look that up. And I bet you Josh will cover uh, something like that in a, a future Jeep Talk Show episode if you don't know what we're talking about. That's a good idea, Tony. Well, anything to add? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk just like that, a subject maybe you'd like covered. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Let us know what you would like us to talk about in Tech Talk. Alexa, ask the Jeep Talk Show to play the latest episode. Welcome. You can listen to all the episodes of Jeep Talk Show, a Jeep podcast, including new episodes, as they are released. For now, you'll start with the most recent episode, but you can change by skipping forward or backward. You can even say how many episodes you'd like to skip. Hey guys, it's Nate. I'm just driving myself back from a week-long training I was at, catching up on Jeep Talk Show episodes, and I just heard your uh, discussion about laws in Pennsylvania regarding driving doorless. Yes, unfortunately it is illegal to drive your Jeep doorless in Pennsylvania. Yes, every single box truck that I see driving anywhere delivering FedEx or UPS or whatever drive with their doors wide freaking open. And it is very frustrating why I have to keep my doors on, but they can open them. I don't know if they just get a pass because the police feel pity on them because they're driving that big box or if um, there's some special law that regulates it. I, I just don't know. Uh, I can say that the entire time that I've been driving Jeeps, I do occasionally drive with my doors off. I usually put on those uh, external mirrors, you know, that mount to the body so that I keep my mirrors intact. And that's usually enough for the police. I have never been pulled over for having my doors off. That being said, I've heard of a lot of people this particular summer that have been pulled over for having their doors off. Oh, All right, man. thanks for the show, guys. I'm just a bad passenger. You're probably getting cut off. <laughs> so oh, right hear, at the end there too. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that there's rebels in Pennsylvania driving without doors and not making deliveries, and damn proud of it. <laughs> I'm just I I hate double standards, man. Yeah. And so I mean, if they're not pulling over every damn UPS, FedEx driver, milk truck driver, bread delivery truck, I don't care who, then they got us. I mean, come on, this it's some equality here, people. There's got to be some lawmakers out there that are Jeep enthusiasts out in that region that can make some changes. Uh, I think uh, if enough Jeepers got together, they would make the change. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty-ho, boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and tonight we have a, a Nexon representative. I actually got to meet him uh, when I went to a Big, Bo- Big Bear, California, to a Nexon uh, off-road event, uh, and uh, his name is uh, Paul Joe. He, and Paul has been in the automotive industry for over 29 years, and in the past 12 years in the tire industry. Eight years in hand-cooked tire with four years in Nexon tire uh, managing motorsports and events. Paul is still new to the off-road market, but has been, uh, been out on the mountain rock crawling occasionally in the past couple of years. 
I think that Toyota, that highly uh, modified Toyota that you're driving around, uh, Paul would uh, argue about how far you're into off-roading. <laughs> currently, uh, currently in the process of building a Jeep JKU for SEMA along with a couple of other vehicles. Not a college graduate nor an engineer, but through experience and adapting to the interview uh, to the environment with passion, automotive industry is life. So I really like that last part, Paul. We don't want to discourage people from going to college, but it's really more about the person and their passion uh, uh, than I think that it is than it is about the college. Uh, I mean, if you can get a college degree, it's absolutely wonderful. But don't let that hold you back, and 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 don't think that you have to have a college degree to make a big difference in the world. I mean, uh, I think it was uh, Bill Gates that dropped out, and uh, I think uh, the the guys in charge of uh, Facebook. I'm forgetting his name on purpose. Uh, <laughs> neither one of them have a, have a college degree, and they've done quite well for themselves. I totally agree, 100. percent Passion is so important to use it and to gain experience that I think that's more important than a piece of paper. Yeah. Well, Paul, we like to find out a little bit about the folks before we dive into the, uh, the other parts of it. Oh, and if you guys would like to uh, go over and check out nexentireusa.com while the interview is going on, that was a great time to do it. So Nexen tire, N E X E N tire USA.com. Paul, tell the folks where you're originally from. Um, born in Korea, South Korea, of course. Um, came here to U.S. when I was seven, um, lived in California the whole time. Um, just so, you know, as soon as I got to uh, U.S., started seeing all the cars, and that was it. Just fell in love. <laughs> well, I bet you that was really interesting. Uh, I don't know uh, how South Korea is as far as uh, the vehicles. Of course, at seven, you couldn't be that interested in, in the vehicles unless they were like Hot Wheels or something. Uh, but uh, uh, I bet you that was quite a difference. Whenever was that like a big shock for you when you when you moved from South Korea over uh, to the to the states? If you if you recall. Oh yes, I mean you know of course cars exist existed, but you know where I live <laughs> uh, was countryside, and you know being little, you know you look at cars as just taxi or bus, and that was it. Right. Um, but when I came to US, you know, it just opened my eyes. You know, I was. I probably went to supermarket every day just to see um, any upcoming new magazine. I would just sit there and read, even when I was little. So it was it just just fell in love. So uh, now I remember you telling me about how you actually worked on one of the Fast and Furious movies. Was that the the original Fast and Furious movie? Uh, yes, it was uh, actually Fast and Furious. When they're filming, it was called Redline, um, and then they changed the name in the end. But yeah, the first one um, did most of the uh, cars on, especially the body kits. And, you know, because I used to work for a company called VIS. And if you see the first one, you'll see VIS everywhere on a lot of the cars. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much me on the background. So you were responsible for, uh, I think you said the Honda, the black Honda, and uh, a few others. I'm, I'm trying to give some people some reference points so they can go, they can go back and go, oh, yeah, Paul did this car. I remember that car. Yeah, I mean, we, we provided the body kits um, for ma- majority of the car, actually, even the Supra, the oh. Eclipse, you know, um, especially for the black uh, Civic. And then when it came down to that white Civic on the drag strip, uh, which is uh, one of our good friend, RJ Devera, that drove it, uh, we actually built that car just for him um, because, you know, it, it was an action movie. So, you know, you might have you know, white Civic, but, you know, we've got to create one or two 
the clips, I think they created like six of them. Uh, Supra, same thing. So there was a lot of extra stunt vehicles. So we were providing the body kit for all the vehicles. Did it hurt you when you saw them uh, damaged? Oh, no. I was pretty excited. <laughs> no, I always feel bad now when I see all the uh, the Dodge Chargers they used uh, in. Uh, oh, I'm brain farting on the uh, on the series now. The Dukes of Hazard. Uh, I always uh, I hate seeing those this row after row of all those Dodge beautiful Dodge Chargers that uh, they had to go through. So it was your love of uh, automobiles that uh, actually got you into this industry and and, and actually got you uh, onto a movie set. So uh, you were uh, you were able to develop uh, several uh, relationships, and uh, I believe you had mentioned that uh, you actually uh, had a uh, relationship, a friend relationship with Paul Walker. Uh, yes. Um, you know, during the movie, it wasn't like being friends. It was after the movies, um, you know, through mutual friends. We just got closer, um, and he, he was a great guy. And I was actually there when it happened, but it was, you know, devastating. But at the same time, he was, it's kind of weird where it was something that he wanted. I mean, it, it's, he always wanted to live his life kind of like James Dean. So, you know, um, hate to see him go that way, but you know, that was something that he, he loved and enjoyed. I mean, he just loved cars. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you certainly could, uh, you could tell it. He, uh, had a very interesting, uh, character. Uh, he just had that boyish, uh, excitement and charm in those movies. It was it was very fun to see that uh, uh, just that kind of innocence uh, that he portrayed in those movies. Yeah, I mean, I think if you talk about cars or if you talk about his daughter, that's when his, you'll see his eyes light up. Uh, if you talk about work or anything else, then he wouldn't <laughs> talk so much. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, the the it would go away. So uh, you mentioned that you're uh, that you guys are building a JKU for SEMA. Can you tell us more about that Jeep? The funny thing is, I still I didn't buy the car yet. <laughs> oh no, you were ta- the- you were talking about this yeah. back in July. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was I was debating back and forth, um, but I you know because I'm traveling, I can't go out and. Uh, pick one up but once i get back i will get one probably within the next two weeks but i've been sorting out all the parts already um obviously i've been reaching out to don alexander and he's going to help me out as well mm-hmm. um so you know one of the key thing i was debating back and forth which vehicle but um you know and as you know i have that toyota tundra that's you know lifted and body kit and all that stuff but it's not really a, a rock crawler um so it's too big. And so I, you know, just fell in love with the Jeep when I'm out there. So I'm going to pick one up, start doing all the stuff. But it will be probably the bottom half will be rock crawling capable. But the upper half, I want to kind of build it more like Overlander. So not only I could rock crawl, but I would love to go out and, you know, do some regular trails, go camping, uh, stuff like that. So it will be definitely my uh, enjoyment. It will be my personal car. Yeah, it's oh, a, that, for fun. Yeah, that's a great idea too, because uh, overlanding is so interesting. Although nobody can really explain to me what overlanding is. I think it's camping uh, with a tent attached to your vehicle. Is is basically what it is. Pretty or much. Just, Find your destination so you can post on your social media, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. So obviously, you guys are going to go with uh, a purple uh, JKU, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think regardless what color I get, I'll probably wrap it into some sort of a purple theme for the company so yeah <laughs> so and, and obviously it's going to have the nexon tires uh, off-road I tires on it i was just going to ask what tires are you going to put on <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mystery tammy 
but wow. I just I just want to throw this in real quick uh, on that uh, that uh, one day event that uh, I was invited out to from uh, Nexon and uh, Don Alexander for before Jeep School. Um, the the seven people I think it was seven people that were there. Two of them, uh, Nick, Paul Paul being one and uh, and uh, Greg being another uh, Nexon person. So a, a very small group, and everybody I spoke to was blown away at how well the Nexon uh, Rodian uh, MTX tires performed on John Bull and uh, on Gold Mountain Trails. And uh, in fact, and I think I mentioned this uh, before, Tammy, in a previous episode, that I'm sitting there riding along, and uh, I don't know, Paul drew the, the short straw and was riding with me. And it was, it, I, was no, I had no concern over the stuff I was going over. Uh, it was just just having conversation with Paul and driving over this uh, this rock, all these rocks, uh, rock bed type formation. And uh, now the John Bull required a little uh, a little concentration, but it was just very easy to drive and just go wherever I wanted to go. It was wonderful. So obviously you're going to put the next tires on there, or are you going to be doing the uh, the Rodian MTX, or maybe have uh, some uh, have them change them out depending on the event. No, I would definitely keep it with the uh, Rodian MTX. I have that same tire on my Tundra, um, and I love it. It's you know it's quiet compared to a lot of other brands. Um, you know, and, and just just for you, Tammy, we we tested those tires even in the rain during the uh, rock crawling while it was raining, while it was snowing. So whatever terrain that you're gonna go through uh, mm-hmm. during that time, you'll be okay. So, um, like, because I'm gonna be. I don't know if people know this, but I'm going to be running the those tires on my Jeep when I go on my adventure. Thank you so much, Nexon and Paul. Um, so I'm going to be going through all different kinds of terrains. We don't know what the weather is going to be like. We're going to be on gravel roads. We're probably going to be on paved roads some of the time. And, you know, I, you know, my concern for me, I have a hard time when it comes to traction, you know, learning um, when to use my gas and when not to. And, you know, that's, I think, an important part for me is the traction that the tire is going to get on those rocks. Uh, it will definitely get a good traction. It was amazing. <clears throat> you know, because when we, when we talk about technical side of that tire, I mean, it's, it, we, I'm sure when you, when you guys talk with Don Alexander, he probably might have said something about it too. But, you know, the trick was trying to have that tire stiff enough um, so that we could actually put the F load so that, you know, a lot of the new vehicles with TPMS, you know, they require that high tire pressure. So we made it strong enough for that. But also when you deflate the tire, we want to make sure that the sidewall is able to be soft enough that you don't technically require a B-lock because, right. you know, I think depending on other brands, but one of the brands, couple of the brands that we tested against, you know, they're at 9 PSI to get same footprint as us being on like 14 PSI. Wow. So, you know, I think that's a big difference. So, you know, the trick was not only on the compound and structure, but even the compound on the tread, but also compound on the sidewall. It just has to have a right combination. So that was, that was one of our main concern and test. So, you know, I guess we pick out the right one. So what like the- when- Oh, when it's like crawling over a rock, you know, how is it at, you know, the grabbing? That's one thing I notice um, when you're going super slow on the Jeeps, how it just like drives itself. And with a good tire, I think uh, grabbing those rocks and I mean, how is it at, uh, there, uh, is it called forward bite? 
I think is that the term I'm looking for? Correct, for a bite. And I think some of the trick was, you know, not only on the compound, like the softness of the rubber, you know, along with the footprint, but sometimes you want that block to kind of not, not to be too hard because then you'll slip. You want the block to kind of flex, this, right. you know, just like a normal hand, you know, you don't want to be totally stiff. You just, you're able to kind of move around, dig through. Um, so yeah, it, it, you'll, you'll be amazed. I can't wait. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I don't remember if I had mentioned this to you, Paul, but after I got back from uh, California and posted up some of the, the, the very few pictures that I took, because I was too busy enjoying myself in the Jeep, uh, but I, I posted up some pictures of, uh, like, I think it was John Bull, and uh, I believe it was Greg that was on the, uh, that was driving the Jeep, and you could see the tire flexing on the rocks, and uh, it was suggested to me by a, a Facebook uh, a, a friend, and they said, well, you should air down. <laughs> I said, it was aired down, the 14 PSI. It just has very strong sidewalls. And uh, like you just yeah. mentioned, it, it, you get the footprint without, you know, uh, having the, the problem of uh, breaking the bead because you have so much tire flex on the, uh, on the sidewall. I was very impressed with the tire. Uh, and uh, more impressed with all the people there that had a lot more uh, rock crawling experience than I did. Uh, just unbel- this had, they were just not, they couldn't, it was fun. They had a hard time believing how well this tire worked. And I believe our, um, our spotter actually mentioned she was amazed how little sliding to the side it did. That it was, it was very, it was planted very well on the rocks and it, it made the driver. Uh, more confident because you don't have any of that side play where you slide off the rock one way or another. Now, it was dry. I don't know how, how it would operate when it was wet, but I believe uh, uh, Don Alexander, uh, the 4x4 Jeep School, actually uh, performed some of those tests uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the wet and the snow, it was, uh, again, I would have mentioned the other brand, but we, we one day were rock crawling with other group of people, and they were on different tire brands. And going up the hill, even going down the hill, uh, we were in full control, but they were just struggling going up and then they were just sliding when they're coming down. And, you know, it's not just um, the grip, but, you know, a lot of times, some of the areas, you know, it's very critical. You're moving inch by inch just to get to the right, you know, the line when you're crawling. Mm-hmm. And if you, and when you lose grip, you're going to lose that line. That means you have to compensate, try to take different line. And that's when you're going to be stuck or struggle. So, you know, having the right amount of grip is, you know, very crucial because then you're able to keep that line that you want it to go. So, you know, you're able to follow what the spotter's telling you. Well, and that's interesting that you say that about the slippage and stuff, because that happens to me a lot where you're like, you're just, you're in this line and then all of a sudden there goes one of your back tires or there goes your driver's side tire and you're totally off the rock that you were planning to be on and you're like, oh gosh, what am I going to do now? So I think that would be, for me, um, still, I feel like I'm still learning. I think that's a great, uh, a great tool to have is to be able to stay where you want it to go. Uh, and Tammy, I think that once I'm glad you're going to get to try these tires uh, and get the feel of what I felt. Uh, I mean, it was literally point and shoot. Uh, it was really simple uh, to, to to make the Jeep go where I wanted it to go. And uh, my understanding is from all the more experienced folks there that it was uh, largely due to the uh, the tires that we were using. Um, now there was something that I found very interesting, Paul. I, I while I was out there talking to you guys, I found out that you actually have these. Uh, Nexon actually has these tires. 
uh, price lower than probably what people would expect them to uh, to be to, to cost. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, originally we wanted to actually kind of price it high based on you know how the tire is going to perform and you know what kind of technology we put into that tire, but. We know and we understand that we're still a young brand and a lot of people might not know our brand yet. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, as much as we could put advertisement out there and say, hey, you know, we're better than so-and-so, it doesn't mean anything until people start trying. So ultimately, we don't want to price it low so that we're saying like, hey, it's a cheap tire. That's not our message. We just lowered it to a certain point to make sure that it's not a burden to buy our tire, but you'll definitely be happy. I think that, uh, I'll just say this, I think what it's going to amount to is if you'd like to get uh, the Nexen tires at a, a very reasonable price, you should do so now. <laughs> because right. I think <laughs> as the word gets out, uh, the, the prices will rise. This is nothing uh, Paul has told me. I'm just I'm just going along with it, you know, as they are in the marketplace more and the, and the name gets out. Uh, I, I feel very confident because, uh, frankly, I had asked uh, the other Nexon representative, how did you guys come up with a tire that works this good? I mean, other companies uh, <laughs> are selling tires. Why don't they build them like this? Because this, this, this tire is just phenomenal. You know, when I got into the company, um, basically four years ago, it, it, we knew that we had to build uh, mud terrain uh, for the market for U.S., knowing that top three vehicles sold in U.S. are trucks. Um, so when we were looking into that, um, it was just, you know, it was one of those quick breaks that we had and we started talking about things and the concept um, of the sidewall, for instance, you know, how we came about, you know, creating a two different sidewall. That was just, you know, within a five-minute break, just, just talking, chit-chatting, we came up with that idea. We just said, let's just try it. Um, you know, so we, we went through a lot of things to you know, start off and trying to create this tire, but why can't other tire brands create what we have? You know what? It, it's, it's a little bit of uh, I hate to say this, but sometimes you need a little bit of luck, obviously. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's finding the right combination, right? Yeah, so exactly. That combo, it, you know, we just end up finding the right combination. And obviously Don Alexander is one of those person that could give you such a detailed feedback um, and when we're testing, I mean, we're, we're, if we're like half an inch apart from the test, we go back and do it again. We want every single tire exactly the same. We test it over and over. And that's how we got all those data and saying, this is the one that we need to go with. So, uh, we had a lot of criteria. Um, and obviously before even doing an on-road test, you know, the, the engineers using a computer simulation to go through many different uh, things to, to develop. So we went through a lot to make this tire. So I'll just mention to you guys that uh, after going to this event, I was sold. My, uh, my uh, BFGs are about done. So it was very, uh, very good uh, situation of looking at these different tires. And, I, and hell, I don't mind saving uh, uh, some, some money on buying new tires. But, uh, Paul, the only place I could find them around here was at NTB. Uh, discount Tire, I didn't, didn't carry them. Now, I didn't call to find out if they could actually get the Rodian MT, uh, uh, MTXs, uh, if I could order them, special order them and get them in. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the thing uh, right now. You guys are new. These are great tires, but not everybody's carrying them. Is there a specific uh, place that people would go, to, uh, a specific company that they, that they should try, and uh, if, if, if they want to look at these things and maybe get them on their vehicles? 
glad that you mentioned that because, you know, because we're a newer brand, I mean, I think as Nexon brand, we're, we're only 20 years when you're comparing to other, some of the big top brands that are over 100 years, you know. Um, but climbing up the ladder on, you know, on a tier level for tire brands, we push really hard to get where we are. Um, but we deal with a lot of the, the wholesaler and distributors, so, you know, and they sell to the retailers. So sometimes, you know, it's not something that we you could automatically see um, off the sheet and say, okay, you know, you go this location, this location. But one thing is if you go to our website um, and there's a tire finder, uh, once you type it in, and it will give you the um, the nearest tire shop that will carry our brand. So it's, it oh, wouldn't perfect. be too hard. Yeah, perfect. Um, and also, too, I was going to – one of the first questions I asked you about the tire was – uh, how does it hold up day to day? Because my tires are not only uh, do I take it take the vehicle off road, but I also drive it every day, my Jeep every day. And uh, you said these tires held up very well. And Tammy, this will be important for you driving across the mm-hmm. country. Uh, definitely. I think any type of vehicle, um, you know, you definitely have to rotate your tires. So that's that's one of the key, and especially for mud terrain, you re- you really want to rotate them, um, you know, because you're not going to get a even wear a lot of times on, on a mud terrain. So, right. but on the road, um, I love it. I mean, it, it's definitely quiet and we know even those extreme mud terrain, we know that probably 10% will really hit the trail, you know, yeah. um, as a weekend warrior, I think the rest will be out on the road. So we know that as much as we want the tires to perform, but you know, one of the key reasons why we want, to make sure that our tires perform well, even in the rain and snow and dry, but also being quiet is because we know that most, most of the time it will be used on the on-road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah very important thing because uh, very few people have uh, dedicated uh, off-road rigs. Oh, and uh, one other thing I want to mention. I know that you guys have, and this might be another great question, but I know you guys uh, have the tires in 37s. Uh, and I know 33s. Is there anything else, any other sizes that might, popular sizes that we might want to let people know about? I mean, it'll, it'll start from 15s all the way to 22s. Um, the, the tallest tire we do make is 37s, but it's not on all the sizes. Um, you know, it, it's only the two sizes um, will have uh, basically the widest one is a 13.5. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we picked out the key size. I know some people ask us, you know, are we going to make 40s or even above that? Um, you know, to be honest, that's not a big market for us yet. And, right. you know, I think I think that will be later on if we want to invest into that kind of machine. But I think currently, I think pe- most people will be happy with 37s or under. So, um, yeah, there'll be, we picked a lot of the key sizes. So, you know, majority of the cars, I think you could definitely find the size. So if people would like to uh, to see some Nexon tires at, at an event, because I know you travel all over and you go to events. In fact, I think you're attending an event this weekend. Uh, where where could they see you, meet you, and perhaps uh, see some of these Nexon tires uh, in, in use uh, at these events? Where, where are you this weekend? Uh, this weekend right now, I'm in Atlanta. Um, I'll be going to the uh, Sheriff Jeep Festival. Um, I will be back in California, and on, in September, I'll be doing the Off-Road Expo, and then in October, we'll be doing the uh, Overland Expo uh, out in Virginia. So, oh, um, oh, yeah. That, Neil and I are going to be there. Oh, perfect. And I get to see you there. Yes. <laughs> okay. Awesome. That's good to know. He'll uh, have you rotate his tires for him uh, for thanks yeah. for those tires, Tammy. 
yeah we, we will definitely we will definitely reach out and stop by and see you and take pictures yay i'm excited and if i recall the was it uh, the down the september uh, event is in dallas dallas texas oh no that one's in uh pomona california oh okay um yeah off-road expo Okay. Well, uh, you know, the kids love the social media, Paul. How can uh, how can they find pictures of Nixon uh, or uh, pictures of Paul or just wherever you want to direct them, uh, the Instagram, the Facebook? Uh, where can they find you? Uh, for our company, it will be Nixon Tire USA. Um, that will be our for social media on Instagram and um, actually Facebook and Twitter. Um, we also have uh, a community social media, which we call it Enfera Club. That's N-F-E-R club. Um, that will be more on the community side. We have a lot of the tuners, cars in there, but occasionally we'll put some Jeeps and off-road vehicles. Um, and, you know, of course, if you're using our Rodian MTX, make sure when you, if you post, put hashtag Rodian MTX. Yeah, absolutely. We want people to know about these tires. They are. If you get a set, uh, I'd like to hear hear from you guys. If you get a set, what you think about them, especially what you think about them uh, on and off road. Uh, uh, but I'll be reporting on it uh, very soon because uh, I have a uh, event coming up in October uh, that I'm going to be traveling to, and uh, I got to get those tires replaced before then. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to a lot of jealous folks uh, saying, "Damn, this XJ goes anywhere." Said, yeah, it's the tires. <laughs> uh, and and i want to just reiterate how important tires are too because now that i've like uh, stepped up my game and i'm running black trails and um, more difficult trails i'm having more issues because of my tires and a lot of people are like you need to air down you need to air down i'm like i am aired down uh, I, you know yeah. so i will be so excited i'm so excited to test these out just to be able to because now i'm like i've stepped up my game and i'll i'll be able to tell how good they're working for me yeah uh and I, i'm really excited to hear I'm, I'm glad like i said i'm glad you're getting a set of these tires i'm really excited to hear what you think of them tammy because you you use your tires off-road a lot and mm-hmm. uh i don't really have a lot of comparison uh since i haven't been off uh, rock crawling off-road and uh, that one time but it was just so damn easy uh it was just amazing and all the everybody was saying yep those tires are just amazing so i can't urge you guys enough to at least give nixon a look uh i was very impressed and more importantly the the folks that know more about it than i do were impressed that were at the event uh just go to nixontireusa.com uh check it out and uh catch paul at one of these events and uh, bend his ear and ask him questions ask him the tough questions and uh, uh, if uh, if there's another Nexon uh, person there that uh, knows more, ask them too and find out more about it. But if you guys get the Nexon tires, I would love to hear from you. Paul, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Sorry we held you over, but uh, a very interesting interview. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Hey, Paul, thanks again for coming on the show and talking about uh, Rodian MTX tire and the event that he and Tony shared out in Big Bear. That was really cool. And of course, Paul being the uh, Motorsports Senior Manager from Nexon Tire, glad to have him on the show and hopefully get him on the show here in the near future again sometime soon. Do you have an idea for a guest or do you work in the off-road industry yourself? Maybe you know somebody who does. Well, then we want to talk with you or them or any of you. Maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show just to tell your own Jeep story. We've had several of those kind of people on the show. We'd love to have you. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Who knows? Very well could be you. From the mind of Nikki G. 
Hey, this is Nikki G. And I'm sure by now you're getting a lot of uh, comments and voicemails and stuff about uh, wheeling alone. Should you do it? Shouldn't you do it? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's not okay. What I'd like to add to it is uh, I enjoy going out with a group of people. It's it's always seems to be a lot more fun when you have some friends with you. Uh, with that being said, yes, I am guilty of wheeling alone. It never really starts out alone. I start out with a group of people. We get out in the middle of the woods. We stop for a break, and uh, somebody always throws a ball or a frisbee or something, and I run after it. And when I come back, everybody's gone. <laughs> On the plus side, I have a nice collection of balls and frisbees. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. I'm thinking bacon cologne would probably help this situation. Oh, jeez. Wrap a pork chop around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> you must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week, I've got something that uh, definitely stands out in the crowd. Now, I- I've talked about similar items in this segment on this show in the past this one blows them out of the water this is the boulder tools 56 piece heavy duty tire repair kit the boulder tools tire repair kit is one of the best tire repair kits available on the market easily repair punctures in larger off-road tires the easy follow to instructions mean anybody can plug their flat tire in minutes and get back on their way built with the strongest materials available contained in a sturdy portable case this is the last kit you will ever have to buy and this thing is built to last 56 pieces it has virtually everything you need to fix a flat tire easy to use color photo instructions simplify the repair process and 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 this is legitimately the most comprehensive kit that i have seen on this and all contained in one nice case a carry case and everything and has plenty of supplies to fix everything from a broken schrader valve uh, to an actual puncture or a blowout even, uh, or maybe just even something as simple as a lost valve stem uh, cap, uh, something like that. This kit is really cool. We're going to have a picture for it and a link. And, uh, and well, geez, I mean, for the price, $38.24 and free shipping, uh, come on. That's, uh, that's less than the price it costs to go down to Les Schwab and pay them to plug a tire. <laughs> have you seen the ones, the, the, the pictures of uh, people making trail repairs with... Uh, uh, a kit similar oh, like, to this, where they yeah, sidewall the twigs and rubber glue, or the no, sidewall no. damage, where they use uh, all the the rubber plugs and uh, 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 leftover condoms and anything rubber that anything they can that stick, they, yeah, <laughs> and glue and the made it home. I've seen some amazing <laughs> pictures. No, really, I mean seriously, twigs and and sticks and uh, twigs and sticks and and stuff sticking out of a tire, and and they just goop it up with rubber yeah. cement, and it works. <laughs> So, but if you don't have something like this, uh, it's not it's not recommended to do this, folks. But if you don't have no. something like this kit, uh, you're dead in the water or uh, dead in the dirt in uh, in yeah. this case. So, I yeah, and, and with, have one of those. I was just going to yeah. say you're going to need someone like this to take with you. Yeah. Uh, if you Murphy's Law says if you're if you're well prepared, you won't uh, you won't need it. <laughs> yeah, I I have. I actually won one, not that particular one, but I I won a tire kit. Oh, you need to throw that away uh, and get this one. This one's much better. Yeah. No, actually, I was looking at it. It has a lot more stuff in it than the one I won. 
Well, now that you must have one of these Boulder Tools tire repair kits for your own Jeep, we'll make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 400 and get one of these for your very own. And now let's get to some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. Let us know about an event that you have planned or are involved with or volunteering with. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Click and fill out our wheeling wear form. We've been getting uh, several entries here over the last several weeks, and we'll be talking about those events as the weeks go on. We've got the Iowa All Breeds Jeep Show coming up September 21st through the 22nd at the Cambridge Off-Road Park in Cambridge, Iowa. This is an annual event and really cool. Tons of people are going to be there. If you are within driving distance, definitely worth a visit. We also have the Sand Sports Super Show coming up September 13th through the 15th at the Orange County Fair and Event Center in Costa Mesa, California. Now, this one is another big event, guys. Each and every September, hundreds of exhibitors come out and uh, and really show showcase uh, pretty much everything there is to know about sand sports and, uh, and that sort of stuff. So whether you're into ATVs, UTVs, or just taking your Jeep out into the sand, this is an event that you want to attend. For more information, more events, and links, visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode. You get everything you need. Well, that's it for the show this week, my fellow Jeeper. Please consider telling a friend, or better yet, all your friends about the Jeep Talk Show. It's as easy as sharing our Facebook posts. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You haven't liked us on Facebook yet? Well, we gotta fix that. Just go to Facebook.com slash Jeep Talk Show. Like and share. It's that simple. Oh, and we love hearing from you on our posts. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep Podcast. I know what you're thinking. They do the whole show, we're only part of it. Well, to tell you the truth, in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being as this is a 4-liter inline-six, the most amazing Jeep engine in the world, and would shear your wheels right off their studs, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Yeah, it reminds me of that Clint Eastwood movie. That's exactly what that's from. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> a little slow. Podcasting since 2010.